Welcome to All Road 65 Max Radio, where the road ahead gets brighter as we journey toward truth, traveling through our dreams and inspiration into a new reality. It's time, and your ticket is waiting. All aboard All Roads Lead 65 Max with Pamela Henderson. Greetings. Thank you for joining me on BBS Radio, All Road 65 Max. I am your host, Pamela L. Henderson. My focus is my mission statement, to help create a quality of life through social growth, inspiring Jews to become leaders by establishing partnerships with corporations, nonprofits, donors, sponsors, volunteers, the community, and abroad. Please join me. Every other Tuesday at BBS Radio, All Road, 65 Max Radio at noon. My special guest today is the Honorable Mary Beth O'Connor. Professionally, after six years into recovery, she attended Berkeley Law and worked at a large firm in Silicon Valley, then litigated class actions for the federal government. In 2014, she was appointed a federal administrative law judge, a position from which she retired in 2020. She now focuses on writing and advocacy work. At last, thank you for this interview chance, Mary Beth O'Connor, and welcome to the show. So how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you and, and to engage with your audience. I really appreciate you as well. So I'm going to get right to it because when I read about who you are and everything and a judge as as well, I have to ask you this question. <laughs> <laughs> Do funny things ever happen in court? Uh, well, I mean, of course, you know, sometimes people aren't as prepared as they should be, including the attorneys, surprisingly. And sometimes you get unexpected answers to questions. And then, of course, it's modern times. Sometimes there are technology problems <laughs> because the, all, most of the files now are electronic and all, all kinds of things can happen. It can be a little bit of chaos sometimes. Absolutely. I bet. Wow. And did your political beliefs influence your verdict? No, no. I, I mean, I was an um, administrative law judge for the Social Security um, Agency of the federal government. And so I was really focused on a specific area of the law. And, you know, as a judge, my job was to gather the facts, you know, examine witnesses and apply the law fairly. And I did that to the best of my ability. And so did, did you believe that everyone was equal before the law? Well, in, certainly we all have our inherent biases that we need to keep our, be aware of and keep our eye on. There's a lot of data around that. And we did have some training about, you know, bias. And certainly we had this anti-discrimination training along those lines. The only way that I'll say politics could come involved is sometimes when the um, the administration changed. In other words, when the president changed, we would be we would get different priorities would sort of funnel down the system to us. But certainly on an individual basis, I always did my best to really be um, to really make, base my decision on the record and to give everyone a fair opportunity to get whatever information they thought was relevant um, before me so that I could consider it. Okay, that's that, that's great too. You have a inspiring story, Mary Beth. Tell me about your child abuse and trauma and addiction that you had experienced. Yeah, so I say the short version of my story is that child abuse led to child addiction, and that's not 
as uncommon as we, you know, as it should be or as we wish it was. But um, my my mother really didn't bond with me, wasn't focused or attached to me. And she could be violent at times. But the real problem arose when we moved in with my stepfather when I was nine years old. And he was uh, extremely violent. He was violent to her. He was violent to me, uh, you know, verbally, emotionally, physically, and even sexually violent. And so I was just walking around, never knowing when the next attack might happen, never knowing when things would go amiss for, you know, reasons completely out of my control. And that Stress and pressure led me to turn to drug use at an early age. And so I picked up alcohol at age 12. I moved on to pot, then pills, then acid until I found what became my drug of choice, which was methamphetamine when I was 16. And I was shooting up meth at 17 years old and in full bore addiction by the time I graduated from high school. Wow. And what determination did you have to change your life? You know, I went to college and I, I left. I grew up in New Jersey and I came to get to California to go to college. I graduated from Berkeley and I really tried hard to get my uh, addiction under control during college. I did better. I did better for the first three and a half years. I didn't use meth very much and I mostly used on the weekends sometimes to excess, but it was better. Um, but I had a really bad uh, multi-assailant rape in college. And then I moved in with a violent boyfriend. And by the middle of my senior year, I just couldn't hang on anymore. And I turned back to meth and I um, stayed in my addiction for another 10 years. I didn't go to rehab and get sober until I was 32 years old. Really? Yes, it was a, it was a long haul, a long haul. Yes, I, I can. Wow. And I'm very proud of you, Judge, because it, it takes guts to to realize and to understand what self-destruct is and to want to change and to do what you did to change and turned out to be who you are today. So I'm very yeah, inspired. Yeah, I'm, uh, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. I, and I was going to say, you know, the, the reality is that most people that use drugs, first of all, a very high percentage have a trauma history, right? It's a, um, it's a common pattern that when you have that kind of trauma that you turn to something that will relieve the pain. The problem is that what the, although drugs seem to work in the beginning, that's why you keep using them. They become their own massive problem, and you don't really notice that at first. And by the time you do, it becomes challenging to stop. And so it was it was hard to to finally recover. It was also difficult because when I went into um, rehab, they told me that the only recovery program that existed was the twelve step. Um, Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous approach, and that wasn't a good fit for me, and that was problematic. It was also untrue. So I really had to forge my own recovery path because I wasn't given accurate information, and I was pressured to do a program that, while it's a good fit for many, and I'm happy that many people find recovery in the 12-step rooms, it wasn't the right fit for me. Yeah. Wow. So do you do you believe that when a child self-destruct, do they come from a broken home only or is it just something that can happen when abuse or mistreatment in a home arise? I mean, the odds of developing a substance use disorder are about five or six times higher for for people, children who have abuse in the household or other or, or abuse period, a traumatic abuse, um, your odds are much, much, much higher of developing a substance use disorder. And that's what the data shows. I mean, I was I was in a women's recovery program. My rehab was a women's program. I would say 90% of the women were victims of sexual assault at least once in their life and many of them multiple times. So it's not that everyone who develops a substance use disorder has a trauma history, but the odds are much, much higher for people with trauma histories, especially because we're not as good as getting children the help they need. 
Um, hopefully we're better now. We weren't good when I, when I was a child. And people ignore the signs, right, that there's a problem. And sometimes they don't do anything about it, even if they see it. So some people develop substance use disorders later in life. Some people develop them through really just sort of consuming the chemicals for too long. And one day it flicks from alcohol abuse into alcohol use disorder. But for a very high percentage of people, there is a trauma history involved. Yeah. Mary Beth, I was absolutely inspired by you from reading about who you are and how far you have come and retired as an honorable judge because you have also published memoirs with various publications. Tell me about, and I love the title, From Junkie to Judge. Tell me about that memoir. So the full title really tells the scope of what I wanted to write about, and it's From Junkie to Judge, One Woman's Triumph Over Trauma and Addiction. And it's, you know, available on Amazon and all the usual sites. Um, but I cover, I cover the abuse that led up to the substance use disorder because I wanted to put it in context. This is why, you know, I mean, most children don't start shooting meth at 17. This is why I did. This is what led me to that point. And then I go through the chaos of that addiction. And then I really go through the first three years of my recovery because I feel like sometimes in TV or in books, it's, it's, it's as if, well, I went to a couple meetings and everything was fine. And that's just not how recovery works. Recovery is a process, usually a lengthy process. And so I take the reader for the, through those first couple years of my recovery in some depth to show what that process can look like and the, you know, the types of challenges you face and how recovery evolves over time. And that is recovery from my meth addiction, but also I had to recover from my trauma. I had PTSD. I had anxiety, extreme anxiety, and I had to recover from that as well. So I address both ends in the book. And when you were working as a judge, what did you like most about your work? I I mean, it's a very weighty decision, which, you know, it's um, when when you're an attorney, you feel this pressure to come to the best result for your client. But when you're the judge, you're, you're making a decision that has a critical impact in people's lives. And so I always tried to keep that in mind because... Um, because there was going to be a real world impact on the person sitting in front of me, whatever I decided. And so I did, I, it was a sense of responsibility, but also a sense of being of, of, of use, right? Of trying to make sure that I did my best to follow the rules, to give the person that fair opportunity and to come to the right conclusion. So I, I, I took the job very seriously and I respected the import of my decisions on real, you know, real life import on people. Yeah, that's, that's, that's beautiful. You had also published another memoir about substance use disorder in recovery that was in major national publications, including Wall Street Journal entitled, I Beat Addiction Without God. Tell me about that. So my recovery, as I mentioned, the 12 steps wasn't a good fit. And one of the reasons was because I don't believe in a higher power. And I had other, there were other reasons, but that was one of them. And sometimes it's presented as if you have to have a higher power in order to recover. But the reality is that you don't. And that's important because our society is increasingly secular. About 30% of Americans currently check none to the religious question on surveys. And so I just, my goal is always, including in the Wall Street Journal article where I wrote about some of the options, some of the secular recovery options, my goal is always to make sure that everyone knows, everyone going into recovery knows that there are choices. They have a choice as to what peer support group might be right for them. There's 12 steps, AA and NA. There's Life Rings Secular Recovery. I'm on the board for them. There's She Recovers Foundation. I'm on the board for them. There's Women for Sobriety. There's Smart Recovery. There are options to so that if they know they have choices, they can do some research, read the websites, 
find the program that's going to be the best fit for that individual, and that will increase their odds of success. If they're in the right place, their odds of success will be better. Um, so I, I'm not concerned which choice they make. I just want them to know that they have choices so they can find the best fit. Wow. Yeah, that's true, because I do know someone whom right now today um, has a very difficult time of finding a rehab that best suits them. Okay, since we were a little, had a little interruption here. Mary Beth, where were we? We were just discussing and you were telling me about um, the book or one of your memoirs. Yeah, I was telling you about the multiple paths to recovery. Um, I'm not sure where it broke off, but I was just saying that part of the, the Wall Street Journal piece that you asked about called I Beat Addiction Without God, that talks about there being multiple options for peer support. Um, 12 Steps AANA is a good option for many people, but it's not a good fit for everyone. And there are other choices like Life Ring, Secular Recovery, and She Recovers Foundation. So I try to just, my goal is to tell people they have options so they can find the best fit for them and have the best chance of success. Yes. And my question to you was, I I know someone whom are trying to find themselves in recovery for alcohol, but I do feel that they're not really trying to take the responsibility for themselves that is needed so they can start healing within. So do you find that to be an issue with people whom are having a hard time of really putting themselves in some type of support system? I mean, early recovery is hard and it's common for people to have ambivalence. I think um, in the media, it's presented as if you make this decision and you're 100% committed to abstinence from that point on. And that's not how it is for most people. So if your friend is going back and forth and sometimes they're sure they want it and sometimes they're not sure they need it, that's a common dynamic. Um, what I always encourage people to do is to just, you know, understand that the change of feelings is, is normal and just try to ride it through and keep going and stay on your goal. But for example, relapse is common. People often aren't 100% successful in their early recovery. Uh, that's typical. And the main thing is to just keep trying and to reach out for the resources that will help you. Good. Thank you so much. I appreciate that advice. So tell me, Mary Beth, what do you love the most in life now? You know, it's funny because the the judge part of my recovery, you know, sounds impressive. And, and, it, and it is, I worked hard for that, but it's not in any way the most important part of my recovery. You know, the joy of recovery is getting out of the chaos, right? right. Getting out of the obsession <laughs> of having your brain consumed with thinking about and seeking out the drugs. I get to spend my brain on um, being productive, giving back to my community, being a good wife, a good sister, a good aunt, you know, um, having fun, going to parties. The the joy of recovery is getting to live life uh, in a way that you experience it, in, a, in the positive, to be able to connect to people. It doesn't mean, of course, you have the normal challenges, the normal problems arise, but at least I'm no longer creating new problems or making problems worse, but I get to feel my life. When you're, when you're under the influence like that, you don't get to feel joy any more than you get to feel, you know, uh, um, connection. It's impossible to really feel full connection when you have the chemical in your body. So recovery is beautiful in very simple ways. And a lot of it is just about being part of the world and connected to the people that you love. So you are um, moving forward with advocacy. And tell me, what outcome matters to you in your advocacy? Yeah, and so I speak, you know, like today on radio, I do podcasts, I, I speak at conferences, and I tell my story as an inspirational story to help give people hope. 
part of the reason I called it junkie to judge is because I think in society there's sort of a hierarchy of addiction that it's better to be addicted to alcohol than to meth and it's better to pop pills than to shoot up. And the fact that I was an IV meth addict and yet I recovered, um, I hope that that, you know, gives people hope that it's possible for them, possible for their family member. And then I, I also do the advocacy around the multiple paths to recovery, but also around trauma recovery, that that is um, a, a separate process, but often is intertwined with substance use disorder recovery. And so I just want people to feel reassured that there's a path forward despite trauma, despite addiction, despite having lived for a long time in pain. So Mary Beth, have you... And I'm quite sure you have, but I'm still going to ask the question. Sure. Have you have you consulted anyone whom had bad behavioral problems? What, um, what do you, can you be more specific? In what context? So, such as bad behavioral problems like, cause, because I'm a firm believer that mental illness ah. and behavioral problems are two different concerns. Now, even though they have similarities, but they are still two different issues. So here I am as a mentor and I help teach and build customer service skills to at-risk youth because I believe that a lot of some of the young girls whom get into trouble, it's all about the communication skills. And that comes from, you know, being angry or not properly understanding how you can communicate effectively and get your message across versus being physically or emotionally angry. So how I mean, do uh -huh, I'm sorry. So I would say what that reminds me of is that when I went into recovery at 32, I was in a lot of ways still a teenager <laughs> right? Um, because I hadn't really dealt with the adult world. So I had to, like you, you were talking about, I had to learn interpersonal skills, communication skills. I could be aggressive. If I felt um, criticized or threatened, I could lash out. You know, I had a, and part of it was fear based. I was always worried that I was going to be misjudged or lose what I was working for. But wow. yeah, I mean, I mean, my, it was related to my anxiety and my PTSD, but it was also just sort of a lack of practice and experience. It is a skill to communicate effectively. It is Absolutely. a skill to, to say what you, what you're really, um, what you really mean rather than to just push back in anger. And it is something that can be learned. You, you often have to deal with what the feeling is underneath, but you still need to learn the proper communication. And you can teach that, and that can be learned through practice. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that advice. Thank you so much. So, Mary Beth, is there anything else you would like to share about what's next before we go and how someone can contact you about um, maybe b purchasing the book. Sure. The, I mean, the book's available on Amazon on all the usual sites. Please, you know, please purchase it. That would be fabulous. But people can also um, hook up with me on Twitter. I'm at Mary Beth O underscore. And they can email me through my website, which is junkietojudge.com. And my website does have that Wall Street Journal article you were referring to, as well as a few podcasts that I've done. For example, if anyone's family member is struggling with meth, I have a podcast that I was interviewed on specifically about meth. And there were a few others. I'm always happy to answer questions. If anyone sends me a message through the website, I will get back to them. Beautiful. You are a blessing to the world. I must say that myself. And I really enjoyed uh, talking with you and everything. And you're going to have to come back. And All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Mary Beth, it has been a pleasure having you on the show. I must say that again. And I do look forward to chatting further in the future. I will be in touch and maybe we can have another conversation for other endeavors that you are doing and sharing with the world in your advocacy. 
and, you know, with me and everything and giving the advice that is so important to millions of people whom have drug issues and not really understanding how to overcome the issue and stop self-destructing. So thank you so much. And um, I look forward to purchasing the book as well. Thank you, Pamela. Thanks for having me. Um, and, you know, message me whenever you want me back. I, I really appreciate the chance to talk with you today. I do, too. You have a beautiful day. All right. You, too. <laughs> Bye-bye. BBS Radio. Welcome back to PBS Radio, All Road 65 Max. My next guest is Therina Blackwell, who specializes in crafting funny adventures with a heaping dose of romance. Therina is a fitness guru from Minnesota who enjoys going to the gym or watching comedy movies. She holds a BA in criminal justice and shares an incredibly unique passion for helping young adults bridge the literacy gap. In theory, she is working on her next novel. In reality, Therina is working on her next adventures to the sequel that we'll be releasing soon. At last, thank you for this interview chance, Ms. Blackwell, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my God. I am so happy to be here, Pamela. Thank you so much. Um, oh, I really appreciate the time. So good too. Thank you so much. I like that cheer and when we're able to get on and talk. Yeah, <laughs> and definitely. Yes, yes. So tell me, you are a fitness guru. Tell me a little bit about that because I love fitness too. Oh my God, yes. So like when I get sick, I like miss the gym. That's how bad it is. And so like... <laughs> I'm there five times, almost six times a week. And this is my point when you're exercising. If you are not almost dying or almost unconscious, you have not worked out at all. Okay. So you need to redo your entire fitness regimen over again because I like to work out that hard. Um, I like to get my blood pumping and I think it's a very, very good idea for mental health. Um, especially with whatever's going on in the world today. And so it's imperative that we find a way to release everything that's been bottled up inside. And I just found that going to the gym and plus, you know, you know, you lose your extra pounds, you're eating right, you feel good. And then when you feel good, you look good. And then it's just, it's just marvelous. I love the gym. Yes, I do too. Now I used to run at least, mm, I would say six days a week and about a mile but now I'm more inside. Now, I'm not a gym person, but I, I am into yoga, meditating. Okay. And believe it or not, yoga is a lot more, how can I say? It, I mean, I found myself, like, losing inches. Yeah. See, because from when you're running, believe it or not, where I come to find out, running, you know, it creates muscle, especially right. in your legs, things of that nature. But mm -hmm. yoga have really toned me up and the meditating has really, really helped me mentally. Mm -hmm. when mm -hmm. you, you know, I am a woman whom I have all, I wear a lot of hats within my organization. And so I really need that Musa. <laughs> yeah. So I really like yoga. Have you ever done any yoga you know what I tried to do yoga and and you know I do a lot of meditation as well and I do find that yoga is very beneficial um so I like to switch things up so some days I do yoga and I especially like it in the morning um and then um I know there was a point in my life where I did do some yoga and then towards the afternoon I went to the gym and I found um I do love the gym a lot but I also like yoga and how calming it is to the spirit yeah because one thing I did learn about yoga is that it's not about just 
meditating and getting into the mind, the spirit. I mean, yoga exercises are really strenuous and you really have to like, I didn't know I was so unbalanced at first. I am more oh, balanced. Oh, yeah. Now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so definitely. Like mm-hmm. So, Therina, what I want to know about is how you craft funny adventures with a heaping dose of romance. Well, it's really not that hard <laughs> as <laughs> I, I made it out to be. Because in my mind, I was like, it actually... It didn't begin that way, right? So it just began as, oh, my God, where this is COVID. You know, everybody is just so angry. I just feel like, you know, as a collective, we're just angry now. We're, like, getting more accidents. We're yelling at people. And I just wanted my readers to understand that you don't have to be that way, right? And so I threw in... Um, the little romance because everyone loves romance in their life. Everyone wants to be the romantic person with the roses and the flowers. And so I thought that was just a good input together. It coalized to coincide perfectly together. And so that's why I threw that in because it's, you know, it, everything's better with romance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is, that is so true. That is so true. So give me an example, like, about one of your adventure, your adventures, like with okay. the dose of, like, give me okay. A, yeah. So, oh man, I don't want to spoil it. Okay, but I'm going to give you just a tease. Okay, so okay, give me one of them. Okay, one of the stories is about uh, stealing an ambulance, maybe hypothetically, and because um, that's what the book is called. It's hypothetically the craziest ish I've ever done. Um, and so there's just like stories in there about the crazy stuff I done. Like, um, I want to say I, it was my birthday and I went to like a bar and I seen this guy and I, so on the dance floor, I got tangled in the curtains in the dance floor. And then I, this bathroom was really, really upscale, very nice, um, club. And so I was, I think I was a little bit intoxicated. And so I opened up the curtains going towards the bathroom <laughs> And there was this guy, I just remember this guy, he was so handsome. He looked like one of those actors in the movie, like Morris Chestnut or something. And he was just standing there. And then I like poked my lips out and I just gave him a kiss, like a complete stranger in the club. And like, I don't, I don't remember, like, I can't tell you everything if it advanced into like a romantic story. You have to read the book. But, um, that was, that was, that was momental for me because, you know, it was a crazy, I did something real crazy, like nobody probably ever done before. And I just, you know, that romance or romantic or however it went, I just, I just wanted to share it with everybody. Yeah. That's spontaneous actually. Yeah. (laughs) That is great. Really? Okay. I like that. And how Mm -hmm. did you come up with the title of your book? Oh, my God. So my business manager, he said, uh, Trina, what are you going to be with your next book? And I'm like, I don't know. He said, I want you to write all of the things that have happened in, in your life. And I'm like, what? What do you mean? That doesn't make any sense. He said, just write it. Write everything that, you know, personal, that you don't want to tell anybody. Just, you know, write it. So I started writing. And when I looked up, it was like 20 awesome things that I've done in my you know, I'm an adult because now, but back in the day, of course, you know, everybody made their mistakes. So I just wrote it down. And then when I told him that he was like, oh my goodness. I said, what? (laughs) He's like, you have to turn this into a book. And I'm like, no way. Everybody's going to know. Like everybody's going to know about my crazy, wild club nights, my kissing strangers in the bathroom, stealing ambulances and like almost <laughs> and like um I don't like road rage with a cop you know what I mean like who does this stuff there's no way I'm gonna be able to do this and then he was like you absolutely can do it Trina so that's how it created like you know he just said hey turn this into a book and that's what I did um I wouldn't I would never advise anyone to have road rage with a cop so do not do not do that. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not doing those kind of things anymore, right? Absolutely not, Pamela. Come on. No, I just write about the crazy stuff. I don't do them anymore. 
I just write about because I believe like that was my time. That was the universe saying, okay, Trina, you've done your crazy, all your episodes, you know, now you have to write about it. And maybe hopefully when someone's thinking about doing it, they're going to pick up your book and be like, oh, wait, no, I can't do that. There's no way they can live by, they can live through me. Okay. Cause I've done enough living as far as that. So, yeah. <laughs> yes, you have too. <laughs> also, what we have in common too is that I love comedy too. My favorites are Melissa McCartney, McCarthy, who played in the movies Identity Theft and the movie Heat. I thought that was just hilarious. Oh my God, and, yes. Know, yeah, and I love, love Dave Chappelle and Seinfeld. Yeah. What is your yeah. favorite comedy movies? Oh my God, that's Eddie Murphy, right? Chris Tucker, Martin Lawrence, and Kevin Hart. He is the funniest right now. Oh, my God. He's so super, super funny. Like, I watched all his movies. You don't like Kevin Hart? I I, I do like Kevin Hart, but he's not the funniest. Really? Who do you think is the funniest? (laughs) Martin Lawrence. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, I'm talking about, like, new... I'm talking about new age. I'm talking about like right now. Kevin Hart is the funniest stand-up person, right? Who, who else is, is competing with him? Well, hey, you know, my favorite comedian is Cat Williams, to be honest. And oh, um, yeah, yeah, that's true. I forgot about yeah. him. Yes, yes, ma'am. But I mean, <laughs> I do like Kevin Hart, <laughs> and his movies are funny. But yeah, and I also like my Mike Epps. Now, Mike Epps, you ever seen any of his movies? Have I? Yes, 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 yes. He's funny. He's funny. He brings it home, though. Yeah, he brings it home. Yeah, he does. (laughs) So, yeah. So, you also have a BA in criminal justice. Now, it's so funny because isn't it something else when we can be professionally educated in something but we're down to earth and other absolutely and i think that's a beautiful that's beautiful and your Mm -hmm. passion is helping young adults bridge the literacy gap tell me about Mm -hmm. that yeah and so i i began um volunteering at my local library and i seen the need um, I, I was volunteering with a lot of um, people that that had the same skin color as me. And I there was a need to help them because a lot of kids now, they're just into the electronics. And you know what I mean? And that could be a good thing because you can learn from YouTube, like YouTube University. I learned a lot of my craft from them and helping others. But there is a point in everyone's lives where I think we need to give back and especially give back to the younger generation. And so I love reading. I absolutely am obsessed with reading. I love books and I love writing. And so I want to help others um, understand how important it is to not only read, but read well. Not only write, but write well. Be able to have a conversation with someone that does not include a text. To be able to give a speech or to, to able to stand up to another youth and say, hey, what you're doing is not right. Bullying is not right. And so you have to be able to effectively communicate, you know, with someone. You cannot, you cannot change or try to change the trajectory of someone's lives by yelling and yelling at them and having cuss words. There's a lot of words in the English language, right? And so I want to help them understand that you don't have to be so angry all the time. You don't have to swear and and use unnecessary words and get angry and and start crying. And then we got the police involved. And and then now you're in the system and your parents don't know what to do. All because no one has set you down and say, listen, I understand. Because no one did that to me, Pamela. No one said, Trina, what you, where you're going to right now, it's not going to end up well for you. Come here. Let me talk to you. Let's see what's going on. You don't understand this writing. You don't understand this reading. Why? How can I help you? Because when you're teaching someone something, if if the student is not understanding, it is that person's kind of fault to have them or twitch it around so they understand what is trying to be conveyed to them. It's not like they're dumb or they, they just don't get it or they have a mental disability. No. If you're the teacher, you need to, you know, what if they're a visual learner? Find out how they learn. You know, if I'm teaching a volunteer, if I'm volunteering and I'm trying to teach a fifth grader, 
what this word means. They're not understanding. Okay, well, I'm going to go to the chalkboard. I'm going to use a pencil and some paper so they can understand what I'm trying. Just don't, we don't want to give up on our children. We, we really, Absolutely. we don't. And so that's, I fell in love with that because I have kids as well. 16, 17, he's 17, and then I have another 12-year-old. And so I okay. talk to him every day, and I, with her homework, I sit down and I make it an effort to spend an hour with him every single day, no matter what I'm doing, because it's important, and he matters. All of our brown kids matter. All kids matter, but especially I'm talking matter. about, right, all kids matter, but I'm talking about the people who need more help, and there's a need for that, I see, especially working volunteering at my community library. And so that's how I got into it. And and that's beautiful. And it's the same, that's the same way that I feel too. I mentor um, at-risk youth and my focus are girls. And I love empowering girls because I really feel that we are losing them right now to what society mm. is, mm -hmm. you know, putting out there in the world and the disrespect and not really mm. understanding about mm -hmm. having integrity and we should mm -hmm. have certain things in order to be successful in life. So I really mm -hmm. advocate against that. But to help each person to understand how to, like you stated, to communicate effectively without having to use or thinking you need to use all these big words, you mm -hmm. know, how to communicate with someone when you're trying to express yourself when you're trying right. to apply for a job and things of that nature all of that is important and so what i totally uh, stress is that it doesn't matter what profession or if you want to go to college or whatever you want to do in life but we have to learn how to effectively communicate with one another mm -hmm. like think about the yelling and the anger and things mm -hmm. like that and I come to find that a lot of girls from prior abuse from domestic violence mm -hmm. is number one key of anger and I also believe that mental illness and behavioral problems are two different concerns even though they have similarities Mm -hmm. So, um, I, I'm really focused on that and I'm really passionate about that. And, um, I'm, I'm, I really hope making a difference one day at a time. So I'm really mm -hmm. proud of you because you really taken what you know and your, uh, quirky personality and, and everything and you putting that out there because that is really what they need. Our youth mm -hmm. need. You know, not having to be so serious about, you know, this is what you're doing, that's what you're doing. But, hey, you know, we bring in levity to the, to the table. So how do you mm -hmm. feel about behavioral problems? I'm sorry, can you repeat that? How do you feel about dealing with someone who has behavioral problems? What is, what is, what is the advice that you can give? I would, I, I think I would say it's important to know that there's a like I had a behavior problem when I was uh, a teenager, when I was an adolescent, and nobody understood me, and I know how it feels, right? So I I have I have a love for that because I know how it feels to want to say something, but you just don't know how. Or this is an adult, and you know we was taught we have to re respect an adult, and we can't say nothing to them. And so my words was unspoken. Right. And so that's helped me. And I'm a writer now and, and I, I speak well, but at, there's a point of time when I didn't. So when I think when you have a disability or a child has a mental, I don't think we should look, be looking at it like that. I think that they just need some extra time to develop. You know, wow. I, I think that they need some extra, just some more attention. Um, maybe what we're trying to teach them that they're, they're not getting it and you need to pull them away from like another like the classroom and just give them some extra attention. So I just, I just, I just believe that they just need extra attention. I do agree. I, I, I really do. I, I really do agree. So tell me more about some of your other writings that you're doing. Yeah. So right now, um, the hypo series is actually a series. It's three of them. So the first one is hypothetically the craziest ish I've ever done. 
The second mm-hmm. one I'm writing now, it will, it's in, my editor has it actually, so it's almost done. Um, it's hypothetically the craziest-ish a man has ever told me. And then the final one is, <laughs> you know, I can't, I can't leave the kids out. It's hypothetically <laughs> the craziest-ish my kids have done. And I cannot wait to start writing on this book because it's going to be amazing. I love, like I said, I love working with kids. And this is not so much working with kids, but it's stories that my children have done. And once you read the first one, you would see Mm -hmm. why my kids act the way they do. It's because of me. (laughs) But it's okay. It's okay because it it gave me something to write about. And everybody grows up in their own individuality. So, yeah. Yeah, that is true. That is true. You you write about that. And so are you going to... You know, it seems like out of your um, memoirs or books, you can, you know, create a play or something like that. I think that would be great, too, because kids always like the acting part. Like what I do with my girls, we, we act out on different roles. And so they just it tickles them to death because you know, I teach the customer service skills and you know mm-hmm. how like when you go in and McDonald's and somebody on the phone and yeah, 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 <laughs> they ignore you <laughs> or you meet someone who just does not have any manners and just you can just mm-hmm. tell the way she talks. You know, what mm-hmm. do you want? And things like that. So I think mm-hmm. those role plays are really, really great. What age uh, group do you work with? Um... Middle school, so I think middle school in Minnesota is like sixth through eighth. Um, oh, sixth to eighth? Okay. Yeah, sixth to eighth, that's middle school, so that's who I primarily work with. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how is, that, how is that going? Is oh, is that hard or is... is I absolutely how, how love like- it. Pamela, it is the most re- rewarding experience I've ever... Oh, my God. So let me tell you quick. I actually volunteered um, for a youth basketball coach, and it didn't even it didn't even happen like I thought it would. Okay, so I put my son. Um, I think it was like five at the time or six. I put my t- my son in um, basketball uh, for the summer, and so one of the coaches like they had an emergency, they couldn't coach anymore, and they was like, "Hey, Trina, can you step up?" And I'm like, "Huh? I don't even know anything about basketball. Like, are you sure?" He was like, "Yes, I think you'd be great." <laughs> oh my god! So I'm up here like tutoring and then like I'm a basketball coach and I have no idea what I'm doing and there's one time where um the the game was on and one of the kids they said hey coach coach call a timeout and I'm like huh they was like call a timeout I was like oh yeah okay hey hey timeout <laughs> like coach he just hit him what are you gonna say I'm like um uh a hit uh what am, what am I supposed to say and I'm like <laughs> and oh my god it but but you laughing now but check this out so at the end we did end up winning the championship now i don't know how we won it you know maybe it was a mistake <laughs> or something but we won the championship and i was so elated i was so happy that i was a part of something so monumental it was huge you know we was all over the newspaper and i absolutely loved it so and i just went off on a tantrum i'm sorry what was your question <laughs> <laughs> No, I love it. That was really good. <laughs> that was a great story. That was, yeah, what was it? What else, you know? Oh, okay, time out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I yeah. tell you, it was probably your enthusiasm and all that energy that you have. Because one thing that I have learned is that me, I'm like really outgoing, adventurous mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah. So yep. when I am, when I'm mentoring the girls and everything, I, I'm me. I'm not trying to be this mm-hmm. executive mm-hmm. or this person that, you know, like a, a, a teacher would be more, you know, um, mm-hmm. direct. You know, mm-hmm. I'm letting them know that, hey, this is me. We got work to do and we're mm-hmm. going to get together and everything. So, yeah, it works itself out and you and, and they win that way. So mm-hmm. that's beautiful. That mm-hmm. is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think, I think what, what's next for you? What's you know next? what? 
I actually want to be um, a part of um, a play. Like you mentioned, it's funny. Uh, we're totally in alignment. I love that idea of the play. So I want to reach out um, to my connections and see if we can get something like that going. I think the students and the students who I hope, I think they would benefit that uh, immediately if, if I just started um, reaching out in that direction and doing plays and, and that stuff. Because eventually I do want to get to the big screen and, and I want to um, have one of my books at the AMC Theater, you know, turn into like a Kimberly yeah. Robinson, you know, that's, that's what, that's what, that's what my goal. That is, that's my goal. Yeah. Yeah. That would be beautiful. I think I you're going to do very, very well. And I'm I'm going to stay in touch with you yeah. myself because I Absolutely. would really um, admire, maybe you can mentor me and get me going and things sure. like that because mentor mm-hmm. always need a mentor and uh, absolutely believe, mm-hmm. yeah and i believe in having a mentor someone who uh we 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 mesh well you know what i mean we have mm-hmm. that similar personality and when when that happens then you know that oh yeah i'm getting ready to move forward <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> serious and everything so, Therina, is there anything else you would like to share about what's next again or before we hang up and how someone can t- contact you? Absolutely. Um, I just want to say thank you, Cam- uh, Pamela, uh, so much for inviting me here. Um, I can be reached at tcblackwell.com. I have all my books on there. Um, I'm going to be updating that very soon with some um, free digital downloads. Um, if you're a writer and you don't know where to begin, definitely give me uh, a shout out. I would be so happy to help you and just look forward to my upcoming book. Thank you so yeah. much. Yes. Therina, it has been a pleasure having you on my show. And I do look forward to chatting further in the future. Thank you again and good luck on your endeavors. Thank you well, so listeners, much. Well, listeners, I have reached my destination. I am an award-winning author of the new book, A Journey of a Sapphire. I hope to inspire others who are on their journey towards success to never give up on your dreams and how to recognize behavioral problems. Please visit journeyofasapphire.com to purchase a copy of my book, also available on amazon.com, Kindle Fire. And as always, I leave you with this quote. I will live by doing my best to be as honest as my soul, because every time I stood to be as real as my truth, as emotionally solid as my soul and pure as my belief, I realized what it meant to be so in love with my life and so proud of who I am that I don't want to be anyone else, no matter how much more powerful, attractive, and victorious I could become. Angelos Michael Paulus. Have a beautiful day. Thank you for listening to All Roads 65 Max Radio with Pamela Henderson. Join us every other week on Tuesdays, 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on BBS Radio Station One. And please visit allroads65max.org and become a volunteer or sponsor and be the change you want to see in this world. With your help, we can make a difference in our society and uplift those who so desperately need our help. Thank you for tuning in.